When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so they could embalm him. Very early on Sunday morning, as the sun rose, they went to the tomb. They worried out loud to each other, who will roll back the stone from the tomb for us? Then they looked up, saw that it had been rolled back. It was a huge stone and walked right in. They saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed all in white. They were completely taken aback, astonished. He said, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene, the one they nailed on the cross. He's been raised up. He's here no longer. You can see for yourselves that the place is empty. Now, on your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going on ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there, exactly as he said. They got out as fast as they could, beside themselves, their heads swimming, stunned. They said nothing to anyone. After rising from the dead, Jesus appeared early on Sunday morning to Mary Magdalene, whom he had delivered from seven demons. She went to his former companions, now weeping and carrying on, and told them when they heard her report that she had seen him alive and well, they didn't believe her. We woke up this morning knowing that Jesus was alive, is alive. We woke up Friday morning knowing that Jesus is alive. But there are a lot of people out there today that don't know that. This month we are spending time focusing, praying for those specifically of the Muslim faith who don't know that Jesus is alive. There are many people that hold to some form of religion that don't know Jesus is alive. So we have a gift. We have a gift. I'd like to take just a moment and pray where you're at. For the Muslim people that are searching for God right now as they celebrate Ramadan, that don't know that Jesus is alive. And pray for anyone else that God brings to your heart that doesn't know Jesus. Let's pray. Father, today we celebrate a great thing. We celebrate that Jesus is alive. We praise you. We thank you. We bless you. We celebrate. We can do these things because someone told us this truth. And we believed. Father, there are many out there searching for you right now. And they don't know the true God. Reveal yourself to them. We ask that you, we plead that you would reveal yourself to them. Lord, even more, ignite in us a passion to speak your 
truth to those that don't know it. Because you have commissioned us, your church, to speak on your behalf. To be your ambassadors. To represent you well into this world that so desperately needs you. And so, Father, as we call out on you to move, we also call out for you to activate us and move us in Jesus' name. Lord, as we ask for you to do your part, we step up and say, Father, help us do our part to see many join your kingdom. We love you. We thank you that we know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a great day. He is risen. That wasn't very convincing. He is risen. I mean, I know I have a microphone and everything and speakers and stuff, but still, y'all can get as loud as I am, right? Some of you say no. Um, over the past month, we have been preparing for this season. We have spent time uh, looking forward to this day, and it's here. Exciting. And uh, very excited about that. And we've been looking at Matthew chapter 6, and the whole idea has been pursuing our Father's heart. And, and, and so now that we've reached this day, that doesn't mean we stop doing that. We get to continue to pursue our Father's heart, don't we? If you missed any of those, I just encourage you, you can go to our YouTube page and watch if you prefer just to listen and not have to look at this thing. Um, I understand. And it's available on podcasts, so you can go listen. Um, but just encourage you to go and take a part, uh, listen to those if you missed any. We are going to continue today to talk about pursuing our Father's heart. Um, and we're looking at Mark, at Mark 16. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, Beck did a great job uh, dramatically reading that for us out of the message. Uh, I won't say translation. Out of the message. I'll just say that. And I appreciate her doing that for us. But turn to Mark chapter 16. Uh, the earliest manuscripts that we have on the book of Mark uh, have verses 1 through 8, and those are all in the earliest manuscripts. Uh, later manuscripts then have a couple different things added to them. Uh, one, we have what's written here, probably most of your Bibles, verses 9 through 20, and we'll get to that here in a second. But another one, there's another one that's, you have the eight verses, and then, I'll, and then the next thing you have is this, you have... Then they quickly reported all these instructions to those around Peter. After this, Jesus himself also sent out through them from east to west the sacred and imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation. Amen. And that's how some manuscripts that we have end. And then other manuscripts that we have later than the original then have these verses 9 through 20, which we'll look a little bit at today. Uh, so there's a lot of different ways that we can look at this. Most scholars would agree that verses 9 through 20 were not written by Mark. Okay? That those were added later at some point in time. Uh, most scholars also would agree that the abruptness of this ending at verse 8 probably means that there was something else there and for some reason we just don't have it anymore. 
Okay, it, it, it's gone for it because it does end just rather abruptly if you just stop reading at verse eight. Um, so what do we do? Uh, these additional verses that we have here, verses nine through twenty, most of the information there is recorded in other. Gospels, Mark, uh, the purse, the writer, I won't say Mark, the writer there uh, just is relaying some things that have been written in other places. So it's assumed that this was written at a later time, that it was after this writer had already read some of these other accounts and was familiar or had heard the stories of these other accounts. And so added them in to kind of give a wrap up to the book of Mark. If you read this by itself, if you read through the book of Mark and then pay attention how that's written and then read these, you can see that it's just a completely different writing style and even just the heart of it is a little bit different. So, um, but to me, it still speaks of the biblical events that are recorded in other places. So it's not extra. It's not been added on. It doesn't go against what we already know. It's still biblical truth. And so I want to look at three things real quick this morning. Real quick because I don't have much time. Um, we have other things we want to do. The first thing I want to look at is from the earliest text. The other two things, they're from the additional test, text. And I think that's okay. The first thing is this. Jesus is alive. Amen? He is risen. It's like you guys aren't ready to bat. Um, he is risen. There we go. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Verses 5 and 6. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be afraid, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. Okay, it's getting there. We'll try it a couple more times. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. And so, he's not alive. I mean, he's alive. He's not dead. He's not there. He's alive. He is risen. Okay, all right, here we go. These ladies woke up this morning and went to this tomb, this tomb expecting him to still be dead. We got to wake up with that knowledge that he's already alive. And I love that. Except then do we lose some of the excitement of the reality that he's alive. Can we think about the week that these ladies and the disciples had just experienced? What was a week ago? A week ago, Jesus was coming in, celebrated, celebrated. And now they're going to the tomb because he's dead. And they couldn't do these things the day before because it was Sabbath. And now they're going. Talk about ups and downs. A week ago. I can't even remember a week ago. I had to go online and look at the video from last week to see what shirt I was wearing so I didn't wear it again this week. Okay? I can't even I did. And then I put on another shirt, and then I'm like, wait a minute. And I had to pull up last year's Easter picture. Yep, wore that shirt last year, so I got to wear a different shirt. So uh, kudos. I've seen a couple people wearing, a couple guys wearing blue and khaki today. Looks good, blue and khaki. Um, anyway, the week that they've had, can you even think about, can you even imagine 
Jesus comes in on Sunday. What a great day. Monday and Tuesday, they're in the temple courts. He's teaching. They're excited. They're like, this is it. Wednesday is known as Silent Wednesday. We don't know a lot that happens. We probably spent a lot of time in prayer because that's what Jesus did. Thursday, probably these ladies probably spent a lot of time preparing for the Passover feast coming up. Thursday was that. And then Friday. Whoa. And so they're going to the tomb and they think he's still dead. And so then, wait a minute, what is going on? He's alive? He's alive. He is risen. risen Amen. The original text says a young man in the white robe tells them he's alive. Later in the text, Mary Magdalene says he's alive. Two of the followers see that he's alive. The 11 see that he is alive. The Father wants to be connected with each of us. This is why he sent his son. This is why Jesus defeated death. So we could connect with the Father so we can know his heart. That's what this whole series has been about, pursuing his heart. Jesus came because the Father told him to go. And Jesus is alive so we can know his heart. The difficult thing is that doubt is real. And we see that throughout this. Verse 11 When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe. Verse 12, after Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country, these returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Verse 14, later Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn Refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. There was doubt. Doubt happens. Unbelief happens. They saw him on the cross. They saw him die. I'm like, what what were you thinking? Jesus told them in Matthew 16, 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hand of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. He told them this. Why didn't they believe? Then I put myself in their shoes. What would I have done? Listen, you know what we've just gone through? Wait, what are you saying? What are you talking about? Here's the sad thing. This world doesn't believe, do they? This world doesn't believe. And we say, what's wrong with them? Or how can they be so evil? Let me tell you this. The world is no more evil today than it's ever been. The world is no more perverse today than it's ever been. You go back to the book of Genesis, wow, there's some things that happen there. That's still happening today. The difference is we get notified instantly about it. And we are bombarded constantly 
by it. I don't even know how many times my phone's gone off in the last 24 hours I'm about an amber alert. How sad. It's a good thing, but it also makes it so much harder. It makes it feel, oh, the world is so much more evil. No, it's always been evil because it's lost and it doesn't know that Jesus is alive. And maybe it's because we haven't done what we've been commissioned to do. We have to help the world to believe. Maybe you've grown up in church and you're saying, I'm still not sure This is the reality. The enemy wants to do all he can to keep us from the Father. The the enemy wants to do all he can to sow seeds of doubt and unbelief in our minds and our hearts. But we pursue the heart of the Father. If you're having doubts, I'm going to say this. It's okay. It's okay. That's going to happen. It's happened to all of us. But here's what the enemy wants us to do. And a lot of times this is what we do. When we doubt, we separate We run away instead of running into. If you have doubts, ask questions. If you have doubts, study. If you have doubts, plug in. If you have doubts, be with those who know Jesus, pursuing God's heart. If you have doubts, get in a discipling community and spend time with them. Do life with each other. That's the point of our discipling communities. That's why they're so important. And so when those times come, you've got a group of people that believe and know Jesus and have the love of Jesus to carry you through and to walk through it together. If you are not part of a discipling community, you need to be. If you are, then be that with each other. Because we all need it. But here's the reality. Things are short. Life is short. These things are, these hardships, we get so overwhelmed. And I know, life is hard. I get it. I I was at a life conference, and Francis Chan was speaking, and he had this rope, and he took on this rope and put a piece of tape around one piece of this rope. And then this rope stretched down on the stage and went around a few things, and then it went down and went off the stage, and it went out down one of the rows, and it went all the way out of the auditorium. So how long was this rope? It was a long rope. And he said this, this piece of tape right here. Can you see this piece of tape? And I'm thinking, I'm in the 45th row. No, I can't see that piece of tape. Um, They zoomed in on the camera and he says, see this piece of tape? You see this rope? This is your life. And this is eternity. And we get hung up on these little things compared to eternity. Eternity. Jesus is alive. Do we go into these ups and downs with that reality that Jesus is alive? If we truly believe that, when the enemy comes, when these doubts come, we can hold on to that truth because that's our hope. Jesus is alive. Let those doubts come. Jesus is alive. And the last thing that we get to do, the last thing that we see here is we get to go and tell people the truth about Jesus. Verse 10, she went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. She went and told them. Verse 13, these returned and reported it to the rest. Verse 15, Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. 
go. That is what we get to do. That is what we get to do. The Father's heart wants all to know. And if we are pursuing the Father's heart, then our heart should then, we want all to know. And it should be, bre- it should be broken over those who don't know. The Son didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. And yet as a church, too many times we condemn the world instead of our hearts breaking for it. The Father's heart breaks for the world. And he doesn't say wait for them to come and then tell them. He says to go. Go. God created us. God is real. God is real. This world doesn't even know that. We used to be able to say when you die and you go to heaven, you just stand before God and he says, why should I let you into my heaven? People, you know, people will give an answer. Now we say that and they look at us like well, we don't even believe in God. Why would I be standing in front of him? Who's he? They don't even know. We have to tell people that God is real. That he created us. He created us to be with him. That he loves us. But our sins separate us from God. And so we can't be with him because he is holy and we are not. And that our sins cannot be removed by good deeds. There's nothing we can do to be able to see those go away. And in paying the price for sin, Jesus humbled himself. Born as a baby. Came as a humble servant. Lived, died, and rose again. He is risen. Some of you are ready. And everyone who trusted him alone has eternal life. We have to tell people this. And the coolest thing about that is life with Jesus starts now. Starts now and lasts forever. Forever. So let's celebrate. He is risen. But let's also remember that someone told us, who are we going to tell? Father, we love you. We thank you that we get to pursue your heart, that you made us, that you love us, that you made a way through Jesus to pursue your heart. I pray today that we will chase after you, that we will walk in a way that shows people that you are alive. And Lord, when we are attacked and when doubt comes, we will surround ourselves with people that know truth and walk through that together. Father, lay on our hearts a burden for this lost world and a burden to share with them your truth. Thank you, Jesus. Good morning. My name is Thomas. Some of you might know me as Doubting Thomas. And uh, I've been asked to come out here this morning and share a little bit of my story. Hopefully it will be an encouragement to some of you. Let's see. Let's start at the beginning. I remember the first time that I got called a disciple of Jesus. The term disciple had such a... uh, a ring to it, this feeling that I was part of something bigger than myself, that there was potential out in front of me. 
And let me tell you that being with Christ was anything but boring. It was definitely potential. He was always doing these kind of random, unexpected... Okay, so example. One day, life as usual. We've been talking to a bunch of people. We're tired. It's late. Jesus says, guys, let's get in the boat. We're going across the lake. Good. We all jump in the boat. We're going across the lake. Sun's going down. This huge windstorm blows in. The waves are just up and down, and they start coming in over the side of the boat. The boat is getting swamped. What do we do? We're looking for Jesus. He's in the back, curled up on a pad, sleeping. And we go and we shake him awake, and we're like, Master, save us! Now, I'm not really sure what we expected Jesus to do, but what he did was definitely unexpected. He got up and he looked at the wind and the waves and he said, be still. And they were calm. He looks at us and he says, why do you have such little faith? (laughs) I know why I had little faith. I was about to drown. We looked at each other and we were like, who is this that we have with us in the boat that can change the weather? We didn't get who he was. He did all sorts of stuff. He, he, okay, so there was this official whose son was sick and Jesus healed the son from miles and miles away. There was another time when he took a little bit of bread and and fish and he took it and he fed thousands of people. He was, he was raising people from the dead and healing and, and doing all these incredible things. I guess the point of all of that is to say that he was trying to show us who he was through everything that he was doing. And so you might think that how could somebody who'd seen all that, who'd been through all of that, ever doubt? Well, I did. And, okay, so there will come a time in your lives There definitely came a time in my life when there's something that just abruptly enters your world unexpected. It kind of takes over your present and everything that you've known up to that point just just fades away. For me, that was when Jesus was crucified. They came, they arrested him. I took off just like everybody else. They beat him to a pulp and they put him on a cross. And he died. Death is final. People don't come back from that. Jesus had raised people from the dead, but there was nobody to raise him from the dead. Everything that I had looked forward to, he was the Messiah of Israel. And now it was was over. There was a part of me that kind of felt betrayed. Like, what do I do now? So I I wasn't in the room when Jesus showed up to the other disciples and they got super excited, of course. They met Jesus, they came up to me and they were like, we've seen the Lord, he's alive. And I was like, no, he's not. I can't let myself hope. I loved him with my whole heart. I was willing to go and die with him. And then it was over. 
Eight days later, Jesus shows up again. And he came up to me and he met me right where I was at. And he said, he said, Thomas, here's my hands. He knew what I had asked for. Here's my side, put your hand in it. I said, my Lord and my God, I got it. I believed. And he said in his, his kind, life-giving way, Thomas, you believed because you saw there will be others who have not seen and yet will believe. And he made me an apostle, a sent one, sent out to find those who would not see and yet would believe. And I did, I went and it was hard and I had to give things up, but it was so good because he is so real and so kind and so loving. And I've discovered thinking through things, watching others believe in their walk. It's not so much how well we believe, because I didn't believe well. Maybe some of you haven't believed very well. It's who we believe in. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I hope, I hope that you will take a step towards Christ because he will meet you where you're at in your disbelief, in that thing that is just coming at you and making all of everything that you've known in the past to fade away. Take the step that starts a journey and you are a part of something that is bigger than yourself. Thank you.